You are listening to The Dan Patrick Show on Fox Sports Radio. Final hour on this Monday, Dan and the Danettes, Dan Patrick Show. More phone calls coming up, best and worst of the weekend. Sean Salisbury, former NFL quarterback, will join us coming up. Sam Amick, who covers the NBA for The Athletic, will join us. Did you see where the other eight teams that are left out of all the festivities, they want to be able to scrimmage or have something that they've been kicked to the curb here by the NBA. So we'll talk to uh, Sam about that. How confident is he that they're going to be able to see this through to fruition with the NBA? That'll be coming up. Patriots signed Cam Newton. And uh, at the same time, the Patriots got dinged for uh, another cheating accusation. And uh, they lost uh, their fine $1.1 million, And they also lost a third-round draft pick. That was an oh, by the way. Hey, hey, we signed Cam Newton. And oh, by the way, the, uh, the commissioner fined us $1 million and took away a third-round draft pick. But back to Cam Newton here. It's a good sign signing for uh, the Patriots, in my opinion. He had nothing to lose. Uh, I was surprised Cam had no leverage. But when you start to look at the number of teams who needed quarterbacks, there were four teams that needed quarterbacks, and you had six quarterbacks available. You know, do the math. Not everybody's going to have a chair to sit in when the music stopped, and Cam was one of those guys. Jameis Winston did a smart thing. Latched on to uh, the Saints, you know, probably only going to be there for a year, but he can learn from two great offensive minds in Sean Payton and Drew Brees, and then he'll get another chance to restart his career. I get it. I understand it. I don't know what Cam's signing means for Colin Kaepernick because people have pointed that out. Uh, you know, were the Patriots interested in Colin Kaepernick? Not that I know. And I don't know if anybody knows because it still feels like we're talking around. You know, the elephant is in the room and it's Colin Kaepernick. But nobody wants to go up and say, do you want to play? Or we want we want you to come into camp. Everything is well. We're talking to his associates. We're talking to his friends. How about we talk to him? That's what I would, I, I would start there, and then I would do my research, if that's what you wanted to do. It feels like they're doing it in reverse order there with uh, Colin Kaepernick. 877-3DP-SHOW, email address dp at danpatrick.com. Twitter handle is DP Show. McLovin, Twitter, by the way, roughing up Mario as uh, he made his uh, TV debut. Yes, McLovin. Uh, by the way, the poll did a 180. It totally flip-flopped. I had, uh, which would you rather see, Cowboys Chiefs Super Bowl or Patriots Bucks Super Bowl? Hmm. Now it's 60-40, Patriots Bucks. Is that a no-brainer? That would be the dream scenario. It, well, I, I, I think storyline, but if you said what was going to be a better true matchup, then Dallas, I think, against Kansas City would be a better matchup, talent-wise. I don't know how good New, New England's not must-see TV. Like Cam is. How about I have Chiefs and Buccaneers? That yeah, would awesome. be even more interesting. Yes, McLeod. Handing off from the GOAT to the next GOAT with Brady to Mahomes. Mm, okay. Baseball camps open up on Wednesday. Uh, the NFL was a little salty at Brady and Russell Wilson Jr. the third because they've been holding these workouts. Meanwhile, the NFL Players Association arguing that we need to protect these players for these workouts. Meanwhile, you got Brady and, and Russ who were doing this. Uh, so that's it. We'll get to more phone calls coming up. We make way for the CFL legend. The former NFL quarterback, <laughs> Sean Salisbury, who joins us on the program. That's the only time you'll ever use me in the name legend, but I always love it. It always starts with the CFL. Big, huge contributor to the CFL. You're a big believer. I love it. 
Don't you owe us your CFL jersey so I could put it up yes. in the man cave? And I, not only am I sending the CFL jersey, but you know what I did? I went and had a coffee cup printed with my face on it in the name of my show for you. So you could put it. See right there in front of Bobby Knight. Oh, I'm not, I'm not going to do No, that's You're not going to do both? No, just one. I don't want your face up. Uh, you don't? No. After all these years of the love we've shown each other. <laughs> and that's not that, that's Lou Holtz. Your right shoulder. That's, <laughs> oh, that's Lou, Lou. That's Lou Holtz. I'm just in looking front. at the red sweater. Yeah. It looks like Bobby Knight. Okay, Lou Holtz, Bobby Knight. All right. But okay, the jersey's it, but I thought that maybe you'd like to wake up to me every morning. Paul, your own coffee cup. Paulie will drink out of your coffee cup. Oh, God, no. <laughs> Lord, no. Lord knows what's been in your coffee cup. Oh, you, you don't want to know, brother. <laughs> All righty. It's good to be on, man. Uh, first reaction when you heard Patriots and Cam Newton. Upgrade? Uh, the if comes in front of it, too, Dan. Um, you get a guy that no risk, all reward. Uh, up to seven and a half million, so the, no, no guarantees, no money involved. He's 31. He's angry, feels disrespected. When you when you draw up a quarterback and say, I'd really like him to look like that, that's, that, that's who you draw up, Cam Newton. So the question is, how does he fit in? Josh McDaniel's challenge now is that for 20 years, that system and Josh over the last handful of years has had one guy, Brady, and that system's only seen drop back. Now the challenge, and it's kind of a good one that, that – uh, you get to add some things that Brady didn't bring. So what Tom lacked in, you get in Cam. So, Dan, I don't know the risk. This is a guy that's a $25 million talent that you're getting for the, the price you'd pay a guy who's just a guy, and he's not just a guy. I think it's an upgrade, and if Cam Newton's healthy and he processes information quickly, this will be the best, or should I say the most underrated offseason move of the year. That's how good he can be. The question is, will he? And you go back to what Carolina did, and they smartly put in the language that Cam had at Auburn just to make it – because you come in as a rookie, and you know this, they throw everything at you, and you're just trying to simplify things. Now he goes to New England where they haven't catered anything to him. It was a Tom Brady system, and I'm curious, how you, how do you change your offense? Maybe, it's, maybe they were changing with Stidham in there in the first place. Uh, so maybe it's not that much of a shift, but explain that to uh, to us on what that's going to feel like and what's what's their offense going to look like. The, the base of their verbiage, Dan's going to stay the same. And that's why, you know how sometimes change gets people rejuvenated? Like Cam, a change to New England, which is an upgrade, like I said. He may not be Brady, but he's really talented. Is What happens is it's like an addendum to a contract. You're going to do what you do base-wise, but we're going to add things. And we're at the time, I'm so I'm so tired of the coaching staffs that say, you're going to do it my way or it's just not going to work here. Look what Andy Reid did. He took some of what Kingsbury did, utilized some of Pat's skills in college, applied to what he does and said, well, why wouldn't we cater and make things where this guy's comfortable? Look what Baltimore did to Lamar Jackson. He's the MVP of the league. So it's going to be incumbent upon Josh McDaniels and Belichick to say, okay, here's what we do, but you know what? For smart purposes, 2020 has also been different with no off-seasons. Let's just make things a little simpler and add some packages for him to get him on the edge. What is he comfortable with? The verbiage doesn't have to be where it's a, where four sentences long like the old West Coast offense. So now it's a challenge on the coach. I love coaches that are willing to say, well, let's take 12 coaches and adjust to 53 or 56 or 60 players as opposed to the other way around. So the challenge now falls on Belichick and Belichick to let McDaniels know, listen, We've got a freak show skill set here. Let's utilize what he does. Not square peg round hole. He's not going to be as accurate as Brady. 
He's going to give you more vertical, create plays outside the pocket, mix in a little RPO, downhill inside zone run. And if he can give me 60 to 62%, but make the big play that maybe Tom's not at that point of making now, you get an upgrade with the legs than you did than you do with the arm, but you also get a young guy still at 31 who's still got sometimes this is where you get your best football in your early 30s. So the challenge is for both, but go into this, take the ego out of it, like Baltimore, like Kansas City, and cater to the guy's skill set. Doesn't mean you change everything, but you do need to change some things to operate out of what he does. And you're not going to make Tom Brady run the option, and you're not going to make Cam Newton be Tom Brady. You're replacing the GOAT big shoes, but Cam's got big shoes. He's going to be fine. I was wondering. I thought the Chargers were going to sign Cam Newton. Mm -hmm. I thought they would do that unless they're totally sold on Justin Herbert um, or they took him as the consolation prize that you didn't get to us, so we'll take Justin Herbert. That's not how you decide on a quarterback, in my opinion. You know the guy you want, and you go after the guy you want. If Tua had fallen to them, would they have just said, all right, we'll take Tua? I don't know that. I don't know what that philosophy is in the draft room, but I thought if I could get Cam in there, it's Los Angeles, and let him go with a lot of those weapons, I thought that was the route to take because quarterbacks are about now. Got to win now. That's a roster that's built to win now. Justin Herbert might not be ready for a couple of years. Tyrod Taylor's okay. Cam, that would have been rolling the dice to say, you know what? How about we take over Los Angeles here? Oh, no no doubt. And, Dan, to answer your first question about Tua, had the Chargers been able to get him instead of Miami, it wouldn't be like Herbert. Herbert's going to sit. Tyrod Taylor would have been the backup, and Tua would have started from day one. That would have been the case in L.A. had Tua been the guy as opposed to Herbert. Now, with this situation, I don't think it's an – I think people were concerned about how healthy is Cam. It's early in the process, the draft. We, Tyrod Taylor's a guy who protects the football, plays it safe, and you've got a lot of other talent around him so he can kind of fit in people everywhere. Any coach you talk to, they trust him. You may not get spectacular, but he's not going to crush you, which you don't want your quarterback to do. With Cam, or the risk, man, boy, that's the high reward, but we got a guy like Cam who's athletic, who protects the ball, probably a little more accurate, is going to protect the ball more, and he can be a good bridge because Cam still thinks he's a full-time starter for the next six years. Tyrod has been in this situation many times. Cam has not. This is the first time in his career where he's going to be, well, he's still going to be the starter in New England, where he would have went into this situation where Tyrod – it's like DeBerg, you know, Dad, where you'd keep drafting guys and he'd be good for you and then he'd have a good season and maybe even a Pro Bowl type season, but you'd replace him with the next guy. And what it tells me is it's more of a compliment to Tyrod Taylor and their trust for him. And they're not knowing where the Cam Newton health situation was. And if Cam could handle maybe being a backup if it didn't turn out, he's not going to have to deal with that. Stidham's going to have to be the guy to beat out Cam and in. And in, and in uh, L.A., it's just a matter of time. And Tyrod Taylor will determine how long he holds that job or if he's playing somewhere else because Herbert is not ready to start. Football-wise, just football-wise, and I know you can't separate it, who's more of a risk, Cam Newton or Colin Kaepernick? Colin Kaepernick is. Now, I, th- I think Kaepernick should get a chance if he can go in and do, do work out. And the key for Colin, does he love football still, Dan? Listen, I made football look hard. And that's playing every year. <laughs> Think about the guy who's been out four years, you know. Now, he's far more gifted. But my point is, and I was talking to Warren Moon about this very thing, the, the dedication it takes, Dan, to be those guys that are so good, that sustain greatness. Do you want to be a guy or do you want to be the guy? 
And so that's what Colin's got to decide. I don't think his skill sets to, to the point where it just doesn't exist. He's physical. He's strong. He can rip it. The question is, does he want to put the time in? And does he feel he can with all the off the field stuff that he's doing, activism? Does he want to devote himself to being great and being the guy? Because after four years off, you better be devoted to it. And there's less risk in Cam because he's physically past the physical. He played it sometimes last year. So he's been around football more. So to me, while Colin's so tempting because of his skill set, I don't know where he, for four years, Dan, all we see is a a video of him throwing on a field. We don't know. And I want to hear from him. I I always hear everybody telling me how good he can be and that he should be playing. And I, I, I get it. He should and deserve an opportunity to compete. But I don't know where his head is as do I love it. Am I willing to study at 10 o'clock at night, six days a week to be great, or do I just want to be a guy who makes a roster? That's up for him to decide. But right now, much higher risk with Colin, just as a football thing, because Cam's been in the league recently. And remember now, we're looking at a guy who is an MVP, who's been an MVP, and he's only 31, and he's pissed. That could mean something for the New England Patriots. You know your longest career run in the NFL? Under 20 yards, but over 10? 11 yards. Dude, you cannot. Hey, listen, don't coach that out of me. You can't coach 11 <laughs> yard runs. Your yeah, longest run in the CFL, 15 Nine yards. yards. 15, 15 yards. Nice. Legend. Blue Legend. Bomber. Blue Bomber. Yes. 88 Great Cup champions. And you know what else, Dan? Uh, you One thing they never did when they signed me, on when they worked me out, said, Sean, Get on the edge. They never, ever said that. <laughs> not one time. You, you didn't have the R in RPO, right? No, they did not. They all said, they said, Sean, does that hat fit you well? And can you chart? That's what they said. How much thought did you give into how you looked on the sidelines when you were a backup quarterback? Are you kidding me? Wristbands were perfect. My, the, 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 I, I'd lick my fingers walking up and down the sidelines just to know I was ready. The eye black had to be adjusted. You know, hey, how's it look, man? Am I, am I good? The hat, which hat's right? Then the long mullet I had, Dan, it was dangling out of the yeah. back of my hair, out of helmet. I had to think, well, what's that look like right now while Madden's talking about Warren Moon on the field and I'm charting <laughs> plays and telling Warren how great he is? You're damn right I wanted it to look good, okay? You're damn right. It's good to talk to you as always. Great to talk to you, brother. Thank Thanks. you, Have man. A good one. That's uh, um, Sean Salisbury, Sports Talk 790 in Houston, does the morning drive show, and then a former NFL quarterback. And, uh, Certainly a friend of the show. A couple of phone calls here. Uh, Dan in Illinois. Hi, Dan. Uh, hey, DP. What's up? It's Ben. Oh, Ben. Uh, Marvin. <laughs> yeah, get on him. All right. Hi, Ben. Uh, well, hello. 5'9", uh, and a sympathy weight gaining, 180 pounds. A uh, little best and worst of the weekend. I'm going to skew negative. Worst of the weekend. Ooh. Finding out I was positive for the coronavirus. Oh, uh, but I don't have any symptoms or anything. Best of the weekend, a friend came by and dropped me off two cases of beer so I can make it through this quarantine. <laughs> well, thank you, Ben. Thank you, Ben. Uh, Mark in California. Hey, Mark, what do you have for me today? Hey, Dan. This is Mark, um, 63280. And my my worst of the weekend, Megan, get a helmet. I just told him I got an insurance policy on you. <laughs> my best of the weekend is Cam Newton, Going to the New England Patriots, and I got one more thing to say. What would you think if if Kaepernick does go to Kansas City? Does Alex Smith deserve a ring from now on if they win? Why? 
Because Alex Smith, Kaepernick, Alex Smith, Mahomes. Oh, okay. So San Francisco and now Kansas City, and they, they moved on from Alex Smith. Thank you for the phone call there, Mark. Yeah, I wasn't sure I followed that. Alex Smith was the quarterback, and then Kaepernick came in. You look puzzled, McLovin. Right, but what's Cam Newton have to do with that? No, Colin Kaepernick. Oh, okay. I and thought then, he said Cam at some point, oh, too. I didn't. I thought it was if Kaepernick then went to Kansas City and Alex Smith oh, was in yeah. Kansas City. And, and, okay. I did see the Alex Smith documentary this summer. Oh, I couldn't get through it. Yeah, me too. I had to turn it off. It, it was really well done. It just... You know, for somebody who's had as many surgeries as I have, the last thing I want to see is surgery. I I don't. But what he had was he almost lost his leg. It is powerful. Cam Newton has 182 career touchdown passes, 58 rushing touchdowns. The only player in NFL history with uh, at least 50-50. I wonder if Cam would end up with, say, 80 touchdowns, rushing touchdowns. If he throws for 250 touchdowns, let's just say, and he rushes for 80 touchdowns, is Cam Newton a Hall of Famer? Went to the Super Bowl, won an MVP. If you throw 250, so that's 70 more touchdowns. And at age 31, and he's got 58 touchdowns. You're doing 22 more rushing touchdowns. Now, I don't think he'll get that many rushing touchdowns. But if he put up 80, 250 and 80, and an MVP, depending on the success of these teams or the team that he's on for the next three or four years. Yeah, Fritzy. If he got to those numbers, even very close to those numbers, I think uh, he goes to Canton. Thank you, Todd. You're welcome. But he's an average passer for his career. He had one great season as MVP. Otherwise, he was a middle-of-the-road NFL passer, unbelievable NFL runner. He had a bunch of years where you know, 22 touchdowns and 16 interceptions, you know, 18 and 12. Those are nice passing numbers, not even good passing numbers in this NFL. Well, in that system with the Patriots, it's going to be really interesting to see how they utilize his skills because he doesn't throw the ball the way Brady does. Uh, can he throw? Keep in mind what they did in Carolina. Carolina was trying to adopt what the Patriots did. What they were trying to do is make him shorter passes. Cam would go for the home run, but they wanted shorter passes. That's why, you know, when you had Christian McCaffrey, Greg Olson needed those safety valves for him so he didn't just load up and throw. And plus, when you go back to pass to throw something deep and it's not there, then you start to run. I think they were trying to protect Cam, but they were also in a variety of ways, but they were also trying to utilize these, you know, running backs out of the backfield. Yeah, McLovin. I mean, I think you're picky and choosing stats because Paulie's guy, Russell Wilson, has never been a top 10 passing yardage guy, and that's considered like the baseline quarterback stat. I mean, oh, I, don't, I don't care about yards. But you guys care about catches. And I care hits. about touchdowns. Well, why would you even care about touchdowns? Because they never run the ball. You know, the Seahawks never ran in the three-yard touchdown. They let, you know, that's the same thing. Like, you, we all pick and choose stats. I think Cam's numbers are different and weird. Well, they are, but Russell Wilson's a Hall of Famer. 
Right, but the you know the all argument is how can he be like an MVP when he's not in the first? He's in the bottom half of the league in pass yards. They never throw there for for a long time. I still don't understand that philosophy. That that's almost that you you kind of. I think we're going to look back on Russell Wilson's career and say why why didn't they utilize it? his skills it's it's almost as if they got in trouble the first three quarters and then they always say to russell wilson hey russ yeah coach carroll hey can you help me win this game yeah i'll help you again yeah paul yeah i think the big difference is russell doesn't throw interceptions he's got 227 career touchdowns only 68 picks cam's more known for lack of accuracy interceptions obviously probably the best running quarterback physically of all time not cam i mean cam not russell yeah, he, I mean, he's up there with, but but having 58 rushing touchdowns is pretty impressive. Absolutely, I mean, but, he's he's he runs like a fullback, like a fullback with moves. Yeah, I just wonder if he if he got up to 80 touchdowns, rushing touchdowns. Yeah, McLevin. Most MVPs make the Hall of Fame. Like Matt Ryan's probably going to make yeah, it. Yeah, he's too. no, he's a Hall of Famer. Yeah, I think Cam has a great shot because. Well, who's the last Hall of Famer who was eligible for the Hall of Fame MVP who was eligible for the Hall of Fame who didn't make the Hall of Fame? Uh, let me take a break. Uh, we're going to talk uh, NBA coming up here. What about the eight teams that didn't get invited, aren't getting invited to Orlando? Uh, Sam Amick, who uh, covers the NBA f- uh, for The Athletic, he'll join us uh, coming up. A few other thoughts. How concerned, um, how confident that we're going to get this pulled off here with uh, the NBA in Orlando. There is a move to have a second location here. Oh, Just throwing that out there. We'll talk to uh, Sam about that coming up. More phone calls as well here on the Dan Patrick Show. Thanks for listening to the Dan Patrick Show podcast. Be sure to catch us live every weekday morning, 9 to noon Eastern or 6 to 9 Pacific on Fox Sports Radio. Find your local station for the Dan Patrick Show at foxsportsradio.com or stream us live every day on the iHeartRadio app by searching FSR. More phone calls coming up. By the way, did we... uh trademark the uh, t-shirt idea yet? Yeah, I, kind of. Okay. Cam Chowder. What do you think of that? <laughs> Patriot fans. <laughs> Cam Chowder. Are you interested in uh, that? That's our new t-shirt here. And now, <laughs> do we think Campbell's Soup is going to have a real problem with us if we show Campbell's Soup can and then it says Cam Chowder? Yes. What? That's not a Campbell's Soup can. Oh, it's not? No. Okay. Why do you think it resembles a Campbell's Soup? It did. I thought it did. No. Yeah. No, that's not... That's weird. Yeah. Um, Let me get to uh, Sam Amick. He's the senior NBA national writer for The Athletic. Sam, thanks for joining us. We were uh, taking a a survey here in the man cave. Are you going to be a bubble guy or not? And I said, let's see. I said no. Paulie, is Sam a bubble guy? Fritzy? I think he's going to the bubble. Bubble guy. Uh, See, I'm going to say. Say no. Uh, McLovin? No bubble. No bubble, Paulie? I say TBD because he doesn't know all the details of the bubble. No, but I think that's he, a push. I, okay, yeah, I think he's a, going bubble. Okay. Sam? Dan, gentlemen, appreciate you. First of all, it's surreal that we're talking about bubbles, and this is our media life. Uh, I don't know yet. Honestly, after this uh, interview later today, I'll be talking to my company about it. As you know, it's about 10 people on the inside, and it is – culture shock in every sense of, of the term. Uh, so we shall see, but man, it's surreal that this is what we're, what we're looking at. Who would be the last member of the media that you would want to be bunking with? 
<laughs> Chris Mannix. Aaron, Aaron, you're hitting the nail on the head right there. <laughs> you just made it made it easy for me. Now, my guy Mannix would be fun, uh, but that's the thing. You're not going to have fun. You're not going to have the the hijinks that come with our industry and and the stress relief that comes after the games. I mean, from players to staff to media members, it's going to be something we've never seen before. Well, we're trying to figure this out, and I know we all have the best intentions here. Uh, what is the biggest concern you have as we get ready to open up these NBA camps? For me, it's 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 weird because you take your media hat off, and, and my focus is just as a human and as a person. It's just the idea that you get in there, and they have you know ninety five percent ish, and this is my unofficial math of of the the risk contained. But they're getting tested once a day. And, and so what I worry about is that because you have Disney employees still coming and going, Disney employees not being tested, it's, you know, and I've had GMs tell me this, it's not a bubble in, in the definition of the bubble and the term. You know, it's, it's something else. It's a campus, as they've called it. And there is risk there. And it, it only takes one case. And, and next thing you know, that player gets tested in the morning. Let's say he's positive. Uh, I mean, you know, but I'm sorry, negative. Then he gets it later in the day and he infects a whole bunch of folks before the next day's test. You're not getting tested every hour. So there is risk here. I just hope they can pull this thing off. What's happening with a second site here uh, that everybody's going to be in Orlando, but is there a push? Who's complaining about maybe having a second site, second city? So the eight teams not going to Orlando, um, want to find a way for their guys to not sit on their couches for six, seven months. And the phrase you hear them say, and I'm talking mainly GMs of those teams. And to be honest, the one that I think they know might potentially compel the league to do something for them is competitive disadvantage. And I'm talking big picture, the idea that you have all these young prospects. I think that's the real focus. The old guys can find their way. Uh, they want to develop a talent and not have guys go into 2021 you know, with, with their skills going in the wrong direction. And so it seems like the support is almost universal. The Warriors didn't seem interested earlier on, but now I'm hearing that they, they would have at least some interest. And like you said, you know, on the lead-in, you're talking about another campus, another site. And the league I know on a call last week mentioned Vegas. They mentioned Houston as two out of four possibilities. But then you also have a bunch of these teams, honestly, I think probably more than half that would like to host this thing. The T-Wolves, uh, the Cavs, the Pistons, you know, a lot of teams are trying to figure something out here. When do the, uh, the NBA players report? Uh, July 9 is when it starts. Uh, July 9 to 11 is the kind of the travel dates. Um, and then they, they start bouncing balls from there. I know that the uh, commissioner has hinted. I, I had a TV executive tell me that you're going to see some things that you've never seen attached to the NBA as far as dressing up yeah. these games. Now, he didn't go yeah. into the details, uh, but I don't know if we're seeing Disney animation characters. and like cra He said, think crazy and then work your way right. back. What are you hearing right, about right, how, right. how are these games going to look? So Adam Silver pulled that curtain back a little bit on his Friday call. And honestly, I think it, it was an hour-long call. There was a lot to dig into. And I think for the most part, this topic got, you know, kind of pushed to the side. But he mentioned one thing that I thought was wild was that fans, obviously, who will not be in attendance, there will be no fans. But you could be watching the game and have, you know, the NBA app open on your phone. And essentially, there would be a button 
that would constitute a clap or a cheer. <laughs> and if and if you had if you had I don't know how it works, they somehow quantify, you know, which team is getting more of those claps at that certain time. And then in the arena, you would have uh, lights and colors of that team represented where the players could look up and, you know, if the Pelicans see a, a blue, then, you know, they know their fans are, have got their back. And then you're going to have piped in crowd noise in some capacity, virtual halftime shows is something they mentioned. So, I mean, they're going to get creative and we'll see if any of it actually lands. If by chance the Pelicans meet up with the Lakers, yep. that matchup, now, I'm not going to say that's on purpose, but I'm, I'm, I know that we would love to have Zion in there. So I, I'm sure. not, I, I wouldn't go that far, Sam. But sure. just can the Pelicans give the Lakers a difficult series? I, probably not. I don't think okay. so. I mean, they look pretty good, you know, heading into the break. I, I think they're probably frustrated. I mean, everybody's frustrated. But in terms of if you just focus on the hoops and which teams – had all of their momentum brought to a halt. The Pelicans are on that short list. Now the Lakers lose Avery Bradley. That's a significant loss. You know, looks like they're you know likely going to add J.R. Smith, and, and so we'll see where that goes. The Dwight Howard factor. You know, is Dwight going to be there? Um, but no, the Lakers are. I mean, they're a top three team. Obviously, they're elite, and Zion's been so much fun to watch, and they've had some really good moments. But I mean, to me, that's a Lakers in five, no more than six type series. I know that uh, you follow LeVar Ball because he, of course, helped invent basketball. But I saw yes, where he yes. was tweeting out about his son. Golden State would not be a good place for his son to go to if he's drafted number one overall. Sure. Uh, it. Where does Golden State figure in all of this? Are they going to draft somebody or would they trade that pick? I think they would definitely trade it, not to say they will, but I mean, in terms of the possibility being there for a team at that spot, you know, nine times out of 10, you know, it's going to be a rebuilding team that is looking to to grab a guy like LaMelo and just start to make him part of their core. The Warriors are in such a different place. And honestly, I don't blame LeVar at all for not wanting LaMelo to land there. But they're just, they are trying to continue the dynasty. I know that in the media and, and, and I'm, it's not even being guilty of it. And I am on the side that says, you know, that dynasty came to an end. Now they can still be a very, very good team, but in their minds, like this story ain't over. And so that means that, you know, a number one pick, however good he might be, is going to take a number of years to get going. Zion is an exception. Uh, and we even saw on the health front, how it took him a minute to get going. So, uh, you know, when you got the, the roster they have and you're LeVar, you're looking at that saying, how is he going to get, run right away how is he going to get time and the kind of development that he needs you know there's only one ball the old adage and i think that applies there does the situation in orlando favor any team um i mean the ones that to me are in a good spot uh the clippers for one my understanding is they had zero of the 16 positive coronavirus tests uh going into the last week's testing that's significant they also seem to have been very diligent about how focused they were during the downtime. Doc Rivers had coined a phrase, uh, winning the weight. He wanted his team to win the weight. And, and to, that just obviously means stay on top of your fitness, stay on top of your mental health, take care of yourself and be ready to, to you know, lessen that curve and that timeline that's going to happen for everybody when you hit mid-July. So they come to mind, and Kawhi in general is a crazy person in terms of being focused on his craft. And I think that's going to serve them well. 
Um, you know, the, the Blazers come to mind too. They get Yusuf Nurkic back and Zach Collins and Damian Lillard just always has to be talked about on that short list of guys who is going to meet the moment and, and maybe, you know, be kind of an upset specialist here. Give me the sneaky team. Well, I mean, that I kind of spoiled the answer on that one. I think Portland is okay. a good one. Um, because for one, I mean, it's going to be crazy to see how the 8-9 situation goes in the West. Now, Memphis obviously is about three and a half in front of the pack. Um, you got three teams coming on strong behind them. But if Portland can get in there, I can see them doing it. The Pelicans we kind of talked about, um, you know, that's a squad that, that talent-wise, and they were finding their way, could do something. I don't really see any great – you know, teams in the East with that identity. I mean, if Brooklyn had magically gotten Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant back, then that's all we would be talking about right now. Uh, but for the most part, I mean, if you're talking big picture conference finals, finals, to me, it's 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 the Milwaukee Lakers Clippers triumvirate and then kind of everybody else after that. Finish this sentence. If the Lakers don't make the NBA finals. Um, then LeBron's, my focus would probably be LeBron. LeBron's legacy, which is incredible, uh, will remain for the most part where it is, and he'll try again next year. But it's been interesting for me, Dan, covering the league since roughly around 2005, uh, covering LeBron for most of his career. You then, I've never covered an athlete of this stature at this stage of his career. And this pandemic happens, and I truly do think that, you know, the NBA, and I'm saying this is a very small part, that as they considered what to do here, I think Adam Silver cares about LeBron. I think he's a very player-friendly coach in general, and I think that they gave great thought to the fact that him losing this opportunity is the kind of thing that didn't have to face, and they didn't want that to happen. And don't get the wrong idea. I'm not saying this is the driving force behind Orlando, but I think it matters. And so mm. if they weren't, if he wasn't able to capitalize on that, uh, you know, at least he would have had the chance. But but in terms of his legacy. You know, it would be two years in L.A. And, and for his standards, still nothing to show for it in terms of what he's aiming for. So it's not the battering ram by the commissioner, but it's factored in. If, the, if LeBron was in Cleveland, not L.A., because L.A. is going to bring people to the screen. They get to the finals, yeah. people are going to yeah. watch no matter what. Yeah. Kawhi yeah. Yeah. is not going to bring that. Nobody really right. brings that like LeBron. But if... If LeBron was on a team that was not a great team right now, do you think that this there would still be this push by the commissioner that we're going to make this happen in Orlando? I mean, only Adam knows, you know, where his mind was at. And to be respectful to him, I mean, health, I do believe, was front and center all the way through. But, you know, these are real relationships. These are real legacies. And hmm. you're talking about, you know, the point you're making is, is astute because – if he was still in Cleveland and it was a continuation of that Cavs narrative, and even if they were an elite team, I think there would be this sense that, okay, we have seen that before, and they did you know, deliver the city's first NBA championship. Um, this is a new thing where you can try to honor his legacy, but also, oh, by the way, you know, put a bunch of money in your pocket because <laughs> they are a revenue driver. And, and that's the other thing here. I feel like I've been on this mountaintop preaching about how – Throughout this whole process in the media, it's okay to be adults about it and consistently remind people that, yes, this is about money. You know, it's, it is. This is it's why they're here. It's $900 million roughly in national TV revenue that they would have lost if they didn't pull off the playoffs. 
you know, and that's only one piece of their pie. And as one GM had told me in a recent piece I wrote, the back end of this, if they don't have the playoffs for the league at large, could have a ripple effect for five to 10 years. And not just the players and the coaches who I think it's easy to say, well, they'll be fine. I'm talking that regular folks within all these organizations, layoffs in mass potentially if this league kept bleeding money. And that certainly is a major, major factor here, probably the number one factor. Sam, great to talk to you. If you go into the bubble, good luck. We'll, we'll say our prayers. Thank you, Dan. Appreciate you. Be That's good. Take care of yourself. Sam Amick, he just won't take us up on changing his name to Sam Amick. Like we, keep, we keep trying it. He could go by one name. He could be a one-name writer, Samick. He'd be like Sting of the NBA. Just won't take me up on it. Senior NBA national writer for The Athletic. Thank you, Sam. We'll take a break back after this. Thanks for listening to the Dan Patrick Show podcast. Be sure to catch us live every weekday morning, 9 until noon Eastern, 6 to 9 Pacific on Fox Sports Radio. And you can find us on the iHeartRadio app at FSR or stream us live every day at YouTube.com slash The Dan Patrick Show. It's been brought to my attention that Paulie didn't get to give us his best and worst of the weekend because McLovin went a little too long. So, Paulie, best and worst of the weekend. I have no worst of the weekend, but I was up late Saturday night, and I uh, don't watch a lot of MMA, but I, I put it on here and there, and there was a UFC fight, Dan Hooker versus Dustin Poirier. And I've seen Hooker fight before, but not uh, Poirier. Unbelievable fight. Went five rounds. They beat each other senseless. And a lot of people are saying a fight of the year, one of the best fights they've ever seen. It was uh, really fantastic. I, I don't understand. It, it's I'm so fascinated by MMA when someone gets someone's arm twisted backwards and it looks like it's going to break and the guy gets out of it. I'm just fascinated how they get out of it. Really great match. Or bout. I can't say match, can I? You can. All right. Back to you. All right. Thank you, Paul. Uh, Drew in Georgia joins us. Hey, Drew, what's on your mind? Hey, Dan. Uh, 6-2-185. Awesome. Um, I've actually got two bets for the weekend. Um, it's really exciting to see the NBA restart schedule come out. Um, it's kind of a sign of life that this thing might actually happen, so it's really exciting for that. Um, kind of pulling for my Duke, Duke South Pelicans. Hope they can pull out that eight spot. And uh, my second would be, um, I don't know if you've caught it yet on Netflix, the new Fire Saga with Will Ferrell. Uh, your boys from Lordy make a uncredited cameo in there as the band for one of the singers in the competition. I would have no idea who they were without you guys. So I thought that was pretty cool. All right. Well, thanks for the phone call there, Drew. I mentioned the last NFL MVP who did not make the Hall of Fame, who was eligible, Sean Alexander. He was eligible. Um, let me see. He had one hundred. Wow, he had one hundred rushing touchdowns and almost ninety five hundred yards, just under eleven thousand scrimmage yards. I wonder if he got to ten thousand yards, and he had one hundred rushing touchdowns that he might make it into the Hall of Fame. He had that one year where he was incredible. What do you have? Like twenty eight touchdowns, twenty seven touchdowns, nineteen hundred yards. Wow. Uh, this day in sports history, Paulie? It is interesting. You mentioned Sean Alexander. His career was, if you, I guess you can't include Super Bowls, but every bit as good as Terrell Davis, and they both ended due to injury. He actually has like 4,000 yards more than Terrell Davis. But he doesn't have Super Bowls. Man. That's the big deal. 
1941, Joe DiMaggio, he got a base hit in his 42nd Overrated. consecutive game. <laughs> wow, too soon. Uh, he broke George Sisler's record for 1922. Oh, George Sisler. And uh, in 1897, the Cubs scored 36 runs in a game versus Louisville. Who knew Louisville had a squad then? That was a record at the time where most runs in a single game. Should have saved some of those for the next 100 years. Oh, I see what you did with that. Uh, J.D. in Texas joins us. Hi, J.D. What do you have for me today? Hey, first time, uh, my best and worst is best part is the weekend's over with and get to listen to your show again. I really like it more on YouTube than I've ever liked it. And uh, worst is I have a sister that unfortunately has the virus and is in the hospital right now. So hoping the best for her. Uh, the main reason I called in, I like your shirt about Cam Chowder, but I'm surprised Seton didn't catch it being Cam Chowder and spell it C-H-L-W-D-A. Um, well, that, that is a big topic, J.D. That, that's a big topic because they say Chata in uh, New England. Seton? I'm not sure that people in New England spell it that way, though. <laughs> people it in New England. seems like just about everybody else in the world likes that joke, but I don't know. People in the Northeast make fun of their accent less so than people outside the Northeast. Yeah, I don't think they make fun of themselves. They don't. Yes. Yeah, I'm guessing. So why would they spell it Chowda? For the outside people. How many outside people are going to buy a Cam Newton? Talk to JD, all right? Don't yell at me. Talk to JD. Yeah, JD. Clam Chowder. (laughs) Cam Chowder. Cam Chowder. Yes, Paul. You know, there's multiple types of chowder. There's the creamy broth, then there's a New England style, there's a Rhode Island style, clear broth, then there's Manhattan chowder, which is red. Everybody knows there's one kind of chowder. Wow. And that Chowder Hill. Cam Chowder. Rhode Island. Yeah, Rhode Island, Island Rhode Island chowder. Clear broth. Yeah. Mm. Come on. Someone has to stand up for it. Come on. Even Manhattan chowder. <laughs> Bowl of red? Yeah. Nah. Nah. It's not good, right? No, if you're going to do chowder, it's clam chowder. Manhattan clam chowder is great. No. It is. Right. But. But it's not, cl- it's not clam it's chowder. It's more like, yeah, it's not yeah, clam chowder. Yeah, yeah. Yes, Todd, what did you learn today? The Athletic Sam Amick believes the commissioner pushing for this restart in Orlando, mm. due in part to LeBron having an opportunity to add to his legacy. McLovin? Cam Chowda. <laughs> Seton O'Connor? We'll talk to Keith Oberman in eight years. Yep. Paulie? Tough day for the Rhode Island Chowder community. What we learned brought to you by LegalZoom. Start online. Network of independent attorneys. They can provide advice that you need since LegalZoom is not a law firm. You don't have to leave your home. Visit LegalZoom.com today for more information. Need to make it legal? Make it LegalZoom.com. Talk to you tomorrow on the Dan Patrick Show. <laughs>